I'm Christian Bush. And I'm Cindy Watts. Welcome to our podcast, 52. I turned 52 this year, believe it or not, and I am releasing 52 songs to celebrate. This podcast looks at the relationship between my 52 new songs and 52 of my most popular songs from my back catalog with plenty of stories and laughs along the way. My kid told me a dad joke last night. I almost texted you, but it was like 1 a.m. and I decided not to. Um, <laughs> Do, at that... At that um... You know, Does that qualify it as a child joke instead of a dad joke? It might. It might. It might. I don't even remember what it was, but I thought, oh, that's a dad joke. And then I thought, <laughs> I'm going to text it. And then I thought, nope, nope, it's 1 a.m. And then I thought, I am the worst mother ever. My 10-year-old is awake and telling jokes at 1 a.m. <laughs> hey, you know what? As a parenting move, it's not wrong. Well, that's you know, good you could know. You could say, I'm so glad you're... Telling jokes at 1 a.m. If you're going to be up at 1 a.m., you might as well have a sense of humor. Oh, yeah. Well, he's he always does. You ready for this? Let me have it. I got home from work today to find my kids have been on eBay all day. If they're still there tomorrow, I'm going to lower the price. <laughs> oh, my goodness. <laughs> uh, okay. Here, this is good. All right. My wife thinks it's weird that I stare stare at the window during a heavy rainstorm. It would be a lot less weird if she'd just let me in. <laughs> Probably because you put your kids on eBay. <laughs> okay, uh, this is a new level of terrible. You ready? All right. I always keep my guitar in the car now. It's good for traffic jams. <laughs> That's pretty bad. Yeah. So I'm sorry, not sorry. All right, then. Uh, we have a very, very fun and entertaining episode in front of us. I'm excited. I happen to know this. I've, I've had to pre-brief you to, to, to I know. get you a little bit closer to um, your journalism, you know. I know. I've already learned High so level. Yeah, right. Uh, in order to have this conversation. But, but this week, we're going to go exploring two songs from 52 this year, which, by the way, is the newly revealed title of the fourth volume of 52. Okay. Um, the Space Between Us, the song. Mm-hmm. And uh, I'm going to uh, pair it with a song, um, a Sugarland song that was never uh, released, but we played a lot live. So fans were very familiar with it. Um, and uh, it's called Blood on Snow. Now, the thing that's I, the connective tissue here between these two songs is they were both written for movies. And um, what I'd like to reveal to you during our, our episode here is uh, <laughs> the sort of joy I've had chasing this idea of music in TV and film. And of course, we've talked about some of this because follow uh, the forever now mm-hmm. say yes to the dress theme song um, happened. But there are probably a bunch of other things people don't know about. <laughs> There's a bunch of things I didn't know about, and I feel like <laughs> I've been in your business for like 15 years now. So I mean, geez. <laughs> so uh, so this is going to be a wild ride. This is Mr. Yes. Toad's wild ride, even though they closed it. <laughs> and I think at, at Disney, I heard that maybe it's it's been replaced. But um, 
this is going to be a fun one. Uh, so I would just say, everybody, hold on. Very good. Um, in order to start here, what what is your do you, do you have a favorite movie or a a series uh, like a, a two or three movies that you like forever go back to, or a movie you don't turn off if it maybe maybe it's just that much a movie you don't turn off when it's in the on in the background. You know what? I, I love Julie and Julia. Julie and Julia. Do you remember that movie? That's the Julia Childs. And then the lady who's kind of cooking through, cooking ju- through her whole cookbook. Mm-hmm. I never saw it, but I, I always loved that idea. Yes. After that, I tried to cook through a cupcake cookbook. And sadly, like 25 recipes into the 500, I realized that I don't think the cookbook author was very good because I might have screwed up like 10 of them, but I definitely didn't screw up all 25 of them. And they were all hockey pucks. So, <laughs> you know, there's that. Well, I mean, it seems like baking is a science is what I've heard. My daughter bakes and she says, and she says, you know, uh, cooking is an art, but baking is science. Yes. Is that true? Yeah. It's, it's, this has nothing to do with your songs, but it it is. And, and it's interesting because it's like you subscribe, I subscribe to the New York times food app. Okay. And you read the recipes and then you have all these people who complain, like hundreds of them who complain about these very thoroughly tested recipes. And then you realize there's a difference in measuring your ingredients and weighing your ingredients. And most of the time, the downfall comes when people are too lazy to weigh their baking ingredients. Interesting. So are you telling me that there are a lot of proven recipes that people are just like an Ikea thing, they're putting it together wrong. Correct. <laughs> like they're reading the directions wrong. Or they're... Or they're, they're, not, they're not paying complete attention to the directions. So they, they got like four doilies left and then now they put it on backwards and now they got to take it apart. Well, well, somebody says you need a cup of flour. And so they reach in and they scoop out a cup of flour. Well, depending on how compacted that flour is into the measuring cup, it's going to be a different amount. Oh, because it's by weight. Because yeah, right. Got it. So, if somebody you know, or or if they don't scrape off the top, so most of the time, if there is an oops, it's because somebody measured and didn't weigh. So in my mind, I'm just going to go on a tangent right now. Let's mm-hmm. just say it's it's flour or something very light. Mm-hmm. Um, you have to do the tear weight of the the cup you're holding, right? You put the cup onto the weighing so you understand mm-hmm. how much the cup weighs. Well, you zero it out. Yes. Oh, so the 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 little scales do it for you? The little scales do it for oh, you. Oh, well, that's very convenient. It is. $8 and it fixes all your baking woes. <laughs> uh, you, uh, I remember being a very young child at, um, at Bush Brothers and looking at the sides of the containers that were going to go out on those trucks and having my granddad explain to me what a tear weight is. And then later in life, I came to find that not everybody has even heard that word. <laughs> it's just a unique word, you know, like uh, the weight of the stuff minus the weight of the thing that you're care that's carrying it. So it's the weight of the thing that's carrying it is the tear weight. I did not know that word until, you know, like 45 seconds ago. <laughs> today years old i know do you think that's gonna make it in the dictionary today years old 
<laughs> it, <laughs> As might a phrase. Have, it might have already. We should look. Oh. Okay, um, so the overarching theme today, besides uh, music specifically designed for a TV or film, is this uh, ongoing open quote, I didn't know that about you, Christian, close quote. <laughs> yes. Um, so uh, uh, I kind of want to start here because we were just talking about it, but... Um, just like most people don't really realize that I'm the guy who sings the song for Say Yes to the Dress, because it is neither country, nor is it kind of identified as me. Mm-hmm. Um, so is, are lots of things in the sort of uh, creative world of film and TV, because that you don't really associate it with an artist, you know? Even sometimes you, you'll hear a song you recognize and sometimes it's a cover song and you're like, man, who's doing that? Uh, I know the song, but I don't know it that way. And you start to put two and two together because I know TV people love that. They love when, when uh, like um, you get a song that's uh, thematically in context, but it's someone else is covering it. So you hear a voice you don't know. Um, but... Uh, there are there have been a few moments where I've been connected to the work that we've done on TV. And one of them is my brother and I. Um, and I say this, putting me in the very small letters and Brandon in very large letters. Um, we're involved in making the, um, the channel ID theme for Turner Classic Movies, TCM if you watch TCM and I I've been getting, you know, there's some strange moments in the past 15 years where, I mean, I guess we did it about eight years ago, maybe, maybe longer. Um, it was probably longer actually. Cause we were out on Sugarland tour when we had the idea, it was on the incredible machine tour. We were watching Turner classic movies on the bus after shows <laughs> and it has no commercials. And, um, some I, maybe we tweeted something at the time twitter was you know sort of this not like it's not now wild west but it was <laughs> there, there were a lot of people paying attention to it and couldn't believe you know some communication that was going on and turner classic movies was really into the fact that we were watching you know these 30 you know young 40 year old kids or on a bus and a giant country tour watching turner classic movies uh, like a bunch of dorks and uh, in our pajamas after shows with snacks. And <laughs> it, it was esoteric and Brandon had a handlebar mustache and so so be it. But we ended up, because they're based in Atlanta, uh, having a couple of conversations with them. And the first thing that they asked us to do, because we wanted to try to like get to know them better over at TCM. And I've driven by it all the time. And they're the the billboard that never comes down in Atlanta, you know. And, um, so they said, you know, you guys are really into music. Um, how about you live tweet, uh, a movie for us? And we kind of went one step further. We, we decided we were going to do that. And then Brandon was going to interview one of the composers. And then I was going to cover a song from one of the movies and just do my own version of it. 
She gave it the full Bush Brothers treatment. Full Bush Brothers treatment. So, uh, so we walked into that by, uh, I did the uh, Plastic Jesus from Cool Hand Luke. And, and of course, we, tw- you know, we tweeted it out through the TCM. And it's such an interesting community, the people who love TCM. They, they take cruises together. They have these uh, movie viewing parties all over America of people who just love film, right? And when we eventually got asked to do the, the ID for the music ID, so this is what, in your mind... Um, the, the easiest way to do this is, you know, when, when you, when you're on CNN, it goes ding, 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 ding. And you hear like James Earl mm-hmm. Jones go, this is CNN, right? That is a station ID. So that's what we were creating is the music that goes with the identification of the three letters. When you see them appear, T C M Turner classic movies. Mm-hmm. And, uh, uh, well, here, let me, I'll just play it for you real quick. Yes. So this is, so you'll understand it. feel like that's definitely been adapted for a high school marching band somewhere. <laughs> well, from your lips to God's ears. Yeah. Uh, but it, it, this was an opportunity. And Brandon is just this unbelievably um, talented composer and, and arranger in addition to being uh, a great piano player and organ player and, and creative in my world. Like he's a great songwriter. He wrote trailer hits with me. Like he's just talented. He's taller than me, has better tattoos. He's just better. But uh, one of the things he he can do in his mind is do all of that arrangement. Um, I'm really good for just the melody. <laughs> I think that's why they keep me around. But uh, anyway, we did that. And and in the the, the large, large arc of me in my life, um, one of the country, country music heroes that I had still not met until last month was uh, Emmy Lou Harris and uh, dear Lord. And I was just on stage with her uh, or on a stage that she was on the stage after me. Let's be more clear. Um, at the, the Gibson Garage, they did a 70th anniversary for Sun Records. And she was backstage with Chris Isaac. Um, it was also super freaking cool. And I, I just get really nervous when I'm around her. I've been like in catering with her over the past 20 years, maybe twice. And I just stop dead in my tracks and I can't speak and I can't, I think she's beautiful. It's like my old lady crush, but uh, like, uh, seriously, man, like she, I mean, how is she's 25 years older than me easily? And I, I've just been like, Oh, she's beautiful. I'm uh, one of my, um, only adult dogs I ever had. Uh-huh. Emmy Lou Harris. Your dog's name was Emmy Lou Harris? Yes. Emmy Lou Harris Joyner Bush, the white dog of peace. She was a white German shepherd. Oh, wow. And, uh, oh, man, I cried when she died. But um, so I, I finally met Emmy Lou Harris, and I, I come to her, and I say, I just want you to know my name's Christian. You, you don't know me, but I have a band called Sugarland, and I got to tell you, if you hadn't put out the 
album Wrecking Ball, Sugarland would not exist because that album um, taught me that country music could be something other than what I heard on the radio and could be amazing. And that inspired me to want to start a country band. And uh, she was like, oh my gosh, you know, she's so sweet. And she's like, we didn't even know what we were doing when we were making that record. Oh my God. <laughs> like not what I thought she would say. And then she goes, wait a minute. Uh, Christian Bush, you have a brother, Brandon Bush, right? I was like, yes. She goes, you did the Turner classic movies thing. And then I just about fell out. (laughs) And then she like tapped her guitar tech next to her. Hey, this is one of the Bush kids. Like, like she was talking to me to him. Mm Mm-hmm. So you never know where some of these things show up. And I think the reason she knows is they, they filmed a documentary of Brandon and I doing this mm-hmm. music. But um, I, I, I bring that up to say music that you make for TV and film is a hit or miss situation, right? It's not like um, they invite you to come over for dinner and you get to eat dinner. They invite you to submit a, a proposal, like, do your best, send us what you think should go here. And if we pick it, you'll get it. But if we don't pick it, you still did all the work for free (laughs) and you failed. So you have to be, um, a gambler. You also have to be very sure of your conviction. Mm -hmm. Um, and you have to also understand that you're at the mercy of whatever the director is, whoever that is, is likely to shoot you down because, their second cousin's neighbor is also a composer, right? Or can write a song or, uh, you know, wasn't it even in, in dirty dancing? Didn't even Swayze sing a song, She's like the wind, right? Yeah. But come on, man. It could have given it to anybody. I could have. Right. Yes. Uh, So, uh, what, what, what we're about to, what we're about to experience are, um, Uh, The Space Between Us, this song from 52, was Mm -hmm. actually um, sent to me as a pitch for a movie called The Space Between Us. And um, I I read the script. I I read the brief, which was um, what they call the description of where they need songs in the movie. And I I had started to get ready to write the, the song for it. And in this, that I remember that same day, uh, the, the two briefs had come. One was, can you write a song for a natural cola in California that needs a national marketing campaign? And, uh, you know, it's, and if you are a, a betting person, you can probably bet on the nat- natural cola marketed from Southern California, which is to be Hanson's probably. Right. And, uh, at the time it was like really starting to take over Mm -hmm. and I wrote that song. I was going to put that on 52, but I didn't. It's called naturally. And it is probably one of the most fun little moments I've ever had writing a jingle song. Well here, I'll just play the beginning of it. Yeah. Naturally. You see, just let it be. 
I mean, don't you want to drink cola right now? It's like a straight-up seat dancing song. Naturally, we go together like a leaf on a tree. Like a wing or a buzz on a bee. Just set it free. Let it be. Naturally. I mean, you could almost put it in like... Right here. It's like It's almost like a Prius commercial. There you go. It's getting better every day. You have to agree. Naturally. See? So if you work for an ad camp company right now and you've just heard this, you can call me or text me or whatever. There's lots of ways to find me. And I, we can talk about you using this song in your next ad campaign. But... Um, uh, my point being, uh, that this was the same day the brief came in for space between us. And I, I, I wrote, uh, naturally on the, my sofa, right when I read the brief, like just immediately. And then, uh, later that day, that afternoon, I went to the studio and, uh, for whatever reason, Brandon wasn't around and Benji was there. And, uh, I was like, well, whatever we were supposed to do today, um, it looks like we got a free day what you want to do, you know? And he's like, I don't know. He had his guitar and he was still sort of poking around with learning to be a songwriter. Cause he thought being a songwriter meant that you always had to write words. And I was like, Oh no, no, no. Making stuff up is just a part of, uh, use whatever you can like, and he's a great guitar player. So he's just started playing guitar. And so, uh, this song spilled out space between us and I got really interested in it because I, I had real feelings happening inside this song yeah. like it it there's there's some sort of deep-rooted something that just given permission to write this song using the movie pitch as an excuse uh really activated something in me i don't know what it is but i went for it well i would wager a guess having known you for this long and you've been a musician for so long and i work in this business too we're probably going to end up being really far away from somebody we want to be with at uh, some point. Yeah. May not be on another planet, but sometimes it might feel like it is. <laughs> right. I, yes. Um, yes. And I, 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 I loved the dancing around this idea of, you know, the Romeo and Juliet kind of loves really a tragic <laughs> situation if you pay enough attention to it. And I, I know people try to idealize that story as like an ultimate, uh, you want the thing you can't have. Yeah. Right. And, uh, and even when you get it, um, you've already poisoned yourself. So <laughs> you're going to die before you, before you can even hold it. Right. So there's this terrible tragedy that's mixed with this unrequited love. Right. And in the movie, this, the, the movie that was sort of based on this idea that, uh, a kid was born on Mars uh, kind of secretly. And then uh, as he grows up, his bones aren't able to handle the gravity of Earth. So he can't go back and find his family. He can't go back and he can't fall in love because there's, you know, there's no 16-year-old girl or whatever that's also, you know, going to be his love interest because he's on Mars. Uh, uh, on Mars. So uh, I don't want to ruin the movie for you, but... Um, what it did is it set up this, you know, what would you trade to take away the space between us? 
you know, and, and it's, it, it's great fodder for me because I'm melodramatic as freaking possible in these situations. And I also think that that's, it's the kind of topic that music can be the expression that words won't do, you know? So now it goes into melody. So I, let's listen to the song and then we can kind of talk about it. Um, We'll do that. Okay. Okay. Here it is from 52 this year. uh, The song, The Space Between Us. You don't have to promise me stars. Just lay down beside me and count them. Here it doesn't seem that far away Try to leave them better than you found them Between us 
It's very movie-esque. Tear. You, have, you got a little tear, tear. going? It is a, it's a love song for sure. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Like at the top of my range, that's, that's the highest I can sing without totally losing it. And sounding like like a chicken that's getting murdered or something. <laughs> <laughs> like like there's a part to my singing range, and that's usually something I, I do in Billy Pilgrim. I don't usually do it in my own right. solo stuff. Um, but it, it it was just a, a the way the the song felt like this giant release, you know. And strangely, I think there's a bunch of interesting things going on. Every time I listen to this, I'm like, how did I pull off a song with no drums? You know, it's just a kick drum. It's just going dun, dun, dun. Right. And I, had, I had always thought that I wanted a drummer to come in and play the song because it would make it more exciting. But you didn't. And every time I tried, it didn't make it better. Yeah. And it was a real lesson in don't do anything that's not making it better. If it starts to make it worse because you think you should, just subtract it back out. Yeah. It's like a relationship, you know, <laughs> or, or, or a cupcake. <laughs> you know um so what what did you do you, does does it matter to you knowing that that was for a movie or not well it's interesting because because it does like change the way you listen to that song it's like it I mean, the song stands on the song stands on its own of course but then when you hear the backstory it does change the way that you think about it. Cause I really wondered whether I should even say anything to anybody about it because I love that it exists on its own without any support. Yeah. Story support. Like it, it has enough information in it emotionally for it to feel true to me and put it on a record like this. Well, sure. But I think just people innately love to know the stories behind the songs and that's a really good one. Yeah. So, well, you ready to go exploring a little further? All right, let's do it. All right. Some things you didn't know. All right. Uh, that that I did. Let's see. Oh, this is going to be fun. <laughs> um, do you remember the movie Wreck-It Ralph? Yes. Um, so I got the opportunity to write the the credit song for mm -hmm. Wreck, Wreck It Ralph and, and here's what I wrote uh, this was going to be for Selena Gomez to sing mm -hmm. um. down but you're still breathing get up and do it again fight and keep it
See? It's even got like the Nintendo sound. It does. I just want to know what happens in your brain. Like when you're writing that song that makes you go, and now I want that sound to go right there. Oh. Because it's just, it's insane to me. The the (laughs) amount of layers in that song and, and truly just how how different the music that you create is from one to the next it's like so many people just do one thing and that one thing takes up all the space in their brain and you just have all these compartments for music in your brain it's like well now i'm gonna use nintendo sounds and (laughs) over totally by the way those are like the atari nintendo i'm I'm glad you heard them fiddle and over here i'm gonna use like that whistle thing and <laughs> well um I, I i mean it's a it's like writing for a uh i mean i i understood what i was writing for because i could see it right. i mean i wasn't they didn't send me a clip of the movie but i got to read the script and i was like oh oh this is inside of a video game this is a character in a thing and this is the world he lives in and he has a low self-esteem and what happens if he pulls it off like and uh I, that part the emotional part of that i get that that's like my life <laughs> and uh we use the video game of country music but um yeah for me it's i love pop music right and i'm trying to just i'm trying to do the math on how i did that i think it started with the whistle the do 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 right I think I whistled that into my phone and then um, played it to a beat and then tried to come up with that hero hook. Yeah. You don't have to be a hero. Uh, have a halo. That sort of thing. And that's very songwritery. But getting it to sound like that, I mean, that was also the the lady that I, I wrote it with, uh, Maria Marcus. She's a, a, a Swedish pop producer. And she knew more things about Selena Gomez than I did. Mm-hmm. But... Uh, but I called her and was like, hey, man, and I, was like, I got this opportunity. You want to do this? And um, I met her through Jeff Cohen, mm-hmm. you know, because he knows everybody. Um, but it's fun. Like, like along that same line, I think <laughs> here, I'll do this. This is as far out as my brain has ever gone is what I'm about to play you. My, really? Yes. Um, <laughs> Brandon and I. And it wasn't far on the on the tail of that actual Wreck-It Ralph pitch. Uh, we got an opportunity to. Um, submit a song to be the theme song for a new Disney uh, on Disney X uh, animated show. It was going to be a series. And um, when we were, we were staring at this idea, it had some requirements to it. Like if you get the show, Brandon's going to have to move to LA because he has to compose every episode. And this guy who was developing this particular cartoon was a guy who did the Power Powerpuff Girls, mm-hmm. Powerpuff Girls. I think she's Power Power Powerpuff Girls. Yeah, you could tell I have no language with this, and um, and so we were like a little cautious, but also, you know, well, let's try it. Well, what is it you need? And they said, well, it's called <laughs> it's called Wander Over Yonder, <laughs> and I was like, okay. And they said, well, it's it's like a, a a science fiction hillbilly jug band is what we need. And I was like, wait a minute, could you break down that description a little further for me? Like, help me understand. And they sent me the 
you know, the first episode and the brief. It wasn't finished being animated, so they just send you the the script, right? Right. And it was this wild talking guy. And uh but he like accidentally saves the world all the time. Right? He just like he, his clumsiness creates it. And um uh I want to, because I had the names of the bad guys. I had the names of different things. And at the time, (laughs) I can't believe this. We we were on tour with this CMA songwriter series. I don't know if you know that pretty well, right? And I had, um, because I'm an artist and a songwriter, I'm uniquely qualified to go out on those tours. And um, this particular one was on a, a break in the Sugarland uh, touring cycle we we had finished at the greek or something in la and my next show was um in la i think doing like the house of blues and it was like with bobby penson and bob DePiro. your people yeah and um and then the second night was going to be in scottsdale arizona at the theater that's inside the music instrument museum if you've ever been to this place, you got to go. The MIM is what they call it. The MIM. And it's the guy from Target had wanted to spend all of his Target money on a museum, kind of like the way the the other Microsoft guy did the museum in Seattle with rock and roll music mm-hmm. instruments. And um, he created this Smithsonian level like place in Scottsdale. If you ever get a chance, you should go. But we were working on this song that I'm about to play you for wander over yonder. And what we were hoping to do was reference old, like Looney Tunes things. So while we were there, we realized a lot of those original instruments were in the cases. So we asked the curator, Hey, there's a show tonight that we're playing, but during the day, is there any way you guys can bring out some of those instruments and we can record them? And so we used (laughs) original instruments. So, there is very little computer manipulation going on in what I'm about to play you. That's just amazing. It's because it's very jug bandy. Like you, it needed right. to be real, but also needed to be outer space. Now I need to prepare everybody for a voice of mine. You have not heard yet. Oh. <laughs> um, I have to sing in such a way that um, it works with the theme song I wrote, but might not be recognizable as me. So a little lot. Uh, this is the theme song for Wander Over Yonder. They actually ended up using it um, as they presented the first episode at Comic-Con. Oh, that's cool. And then there was another composer that they decided they wanted to hire full time to be there. So they were going to give that guy the theme instead of us. Aww. So we ended up not, we got it for a minute mm-hmm. and then it went on. But uh, this, you know. If you're driving, just keep your eyes on the road. This is, <laughs> you didn't accidentally slip to another podcast.
I mean, come on, right? Did you hear all the sounds from... Well, yeah. I mean... I think it's fabulous. <laughs> I also, I think your severe vul comes out because to me that sounds like... Did you like, hear it? <laughs> well, yeah. Yeah. Because it sounds like... Do I sound like people that we both know as well, verbal? yeah. But also like, well, you know, one of those like variety show things that they do on the strip in Pigeon Forge for, you know... Oh, yeah. Like... That's totally the one-man band guy. Yes! And he's got like his hands and his eyes pop out and he's... Blah, blah. Yep. Yeah. Absolutely. So it wasn't hard for me to get, obviously, now. You're like, well, that's not that weird. Uh, but that's pretty weird. Well, like, I, I love the the, the, the concept is, is fantastic. I think the execution is fantastic. And then I hear it and I'm like, well, yeah. Because like it or not, I think you crack you open and that's what's in there. <laughs> you know, I mean, you do a lot to like bury it and stuff. But in reality. I've been hiding it under country music for a while. That's what's in both of us. Yeah. <laughs> well. Um, Alien banjo. I, th- <laughs> so. um yeah, so I, I love the idea that while maybe some writers in Nashville love the challenge of writing the next hit song for Carrie Underwood. Yes. Um, I would, I, I, I also enjoy writing on command. You know, like here is your achieve, use your skill to achieve this. Yeah. Um, that's fun for me because I'm not sure if I can do it. And then when I start to try, crap like that shows up and what if the 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 thing that i always say out loud is hey everybody don't freak out but if you're sitting with this at, 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 you know in my studio or if you're the, my engineers like hey man what if they say yes yeah like what happens <laughs> if they are like oh man yeah that's great <laughs> then suddenly you're that right that's how shirland got made I was like, let's, let's try this. Let's just try it. It was, I I guess the, uh, now it's so common. People have side hustles. It's just a thing, but it, it's, it's always a thing you're doing on the side until it's a thing that works. And right. then suddenly it's what you're doing. So, um, obviously I can be very excited about these kinds of topics. So in Sugarland, I was always curious to see if, our fame and 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 uh, attention was going to garner us an offer to write songs for a movie, <laughs> and we got a couple of asks, um, and then we made up some for ourselves, right? <laughs> like we just, I, I started to teach Jennifer that if you know sometimes if you do it, then it will come to you. You know, you have to you have to actually do the work first, right? before someone decides to put it in the movie, you just say, I want to try to write for that movie. And then someone in our world can get it to that director. And so we, we wrote a song for the, like, uh, like water for elephants, the, the, it, which became a movie right. later than it we had written for, but we wrote a beautiful co- song called just like that. Um, and we considered putting it on bigger, the, cause the record companies and the, the A&R people, they all love that song so much. And I do too. And maybe it'll come out one day. Um, we, uh, we, uh, the way that I taught her to do this ahead of time, I said, uh, we were on Chelsea Handler, the, you know, mm-hmm. she has, she has a show, a TV right. show or did, I don't think she has it much anymore, but, um, 
the Chelsea Handler show was this kind of, at the time, very progressive. Like she was talking about stuff not a lot of people talk about. Right. And it was kind of fun to see, you know, you kind of, she had this power of coming off the rails all the time. Anyway, we really enjoyed talking to her um, and, and being on her show. And I had made some comment on the way out. Like what you need is a theme song. You get that's that she was like, yeah, I do. And then, you know, you never could tell if she's kidding or not. Right. One of those. <laughs> she could be telling you that she's been drinking vodka for six hours and she's joking or she's telling the truth. You don't know. Right. So uh, the first opportunity I got, I said, Jennifer, here we go. So be warned. <laughs> Have you seen her? I mean, I consider it a perfect placement. Oh, well, well, yeah. And I also love that at the top of our kind of country music career, Jennifer has to sing a lyric of uh, high heel shoes and midgets. One night stands in penguins. One night stands in penguins. And and which, by the way, is exactly the Chelsea Handler show. You know, that's all the stuff from her book. It's like, it's so perfect. But um, it, we got carried away in it. And one of the things that happened from this sort of, we did it ahead of time right. to see if it would work, is um, we started to get communication from our agent, you mm-hmm. know, about suddenly about movies they were filming. And at the time, there was a, all the rage were the Twilight movies. Right. And we got a chance to write a song for the Twilight movies. And um, we had we had been playing around with this, and um, as a right, it's a very very dark song, mm-hmm. right? And you, it's called Blood on Snow, and it, it, obviously it did not make the movies, but it almost made the Incredible Machine album. And I, I want us to listen to it here and. Um, you know, as a Sugarland fan, if you're a giant fan, you've saw us play this live. Yeah. We even had like production and everything for it because we loved it. And one of the things that, that happened in this song, uh, and in the recording is it's literally Travis and, and myself and Jennifer and Brandon, maybe, which was really the crew we had put together for that incredible machine record. And it is a dark, dark, dark song. And it's very Appalachian. Mm-hmm. And um, if you squint your eyes right, it's very vampire. But if you don't need that to be the truth. Right. Um, and it, this has this song to me still has such weird mystery to it. Um, anyway, here, let's just let's listen first and then we'll talk. Yes. And, I, and I want you to there's no way to avoid this being Sugarland. Mm-hmm. So this would be something that if you heard it in a movie, you'd be like. Holy crap, that's Shirley. Right? Okay, here we go. Blood on Snow. Blood on Snow. 
see the trees sway Blackbird shadows on the ground Must be a strong wind Pushing wings and branches all around Funny how the world just fades When only is the only sand Baby, can you Christian Bush knows how to write a chorus. <laughs> <laughs> oh, 
goodness. I mean, yeah, it's insane. So, I don't know, what's your impression there? This is an unheard Sugarland song. It's so interesting to me because it does. It, it, It is very Appalachian, but it also, you know, kind of falls into just like straight ahead rock there for yeah, a minute right and then circles back around and that's not a that's not a, a, a path you find that frequently <laughs> right. well you know the Appalachian mountains are very odd uh, I love it but uh, you know I, I like to think that the the flavors of the mountains mix with all sorts of stuff well yeah I mean it, like melodically it, it feels right Oh, it does. It doesn't, it doesn't hurt me. I'm not gender bending, you know, or anything like it's, it's doing what I think it needs to do to achieve its spookiness. Oh yeah, And, no. and Jennifer, you can tell is way into the spooky on that one. Like, oh yeah. She's totally like, oh, I see this. I can, that's where I want to go. Yeah. I think, well, for me personally, it, it, it takes like the two things in music that I like the most and like mushes it into a song, uh, seamlessly. <sighs> We wrote that with Lisa Carver, and I think we might have even written the beginning of it with Thad, Thad Beatty. Um, and we never released it, but we played. We loved playing it on on tour because uh, Jennifer and I, uh, like, she'd play bass because mm-hmm. no one had ever, nobody knew she could play bass. Right. And then I would play guitar, and you know the electric guitar didn't really kick in till two thirds of the way through the song. Right. And. Um, it was such a great live moment when we would get to it that mm-hmm. it, the song was literally just a vehicle for us to perform. <laughs> <laughs> we, we wanted to perform it almost more than we wanted to just record it. Right. You know, um, does it matter to you that that was for a, a, a film? No. No. Fascinating. Does not. I mean, when you, when you say the title and you say what it's for, you're like, well, of course that's it. But, but ultimately I think that song has so many, it's just so interesting without that element that you don't need to know it was for a movie because it's just fascinating as it is. Did you, uh, hear my obsession with Lucinda Williams in there? <laughs> Possibly. Possibly. <laughs> well, part of that's Lisa Carver. Cause when she writes with us, she sounds like Lucinda. But um, it's that kind of phrasing where you're, it's like lazy phrasing. Lazy phrasing. Yeah. It's like you, um, you're, you're throwing away some of the, the words f- through attituded teeth. You know, there's, there's attitude between when the air comes and when it moves past your lips and your teeth. And while right. it moves into your lips and your teeth, you now just like, beca- you're like a shithead about it. <laughs> when it gets to your mouth, you're like, yeah, you know, like you're, you're kind of manipulating the vowels and the consonants in order to, to express your, dis, you know, like your disdain with what even you read that you even have to sing it. Do you know what I mean? It's a, it's a really strange, fun little thing that Lucinda Williams does. And it's, I think she does it naturally the same way Elvis Costello sounds like he's sad all the time. <laughs> Uh, I think it's just built and baked into their voices. And uh, I think that's one of the reasons Jennifer and I love that song. Yeah. Okay. Uh, just as a gift on the way out here, uh, I have a cover song that I did for Grey's Anatomy. What? 
that I haven't told no one about. All right, then. Right? Uh-huh. No, no one really knows. But this was on a, hey, you know, Grey's Anatomy is going on for forever. Right. right? And, well, here, we'll, just, we'll have a little fun time here. Did, okay. you, did you know mm-hmm. that Billy Pilgrim has the final song? It, it, the song's called Try, and it's mm-hmm. at the final dance of my so-called life on the final episode. Well, no, I didn't know that. Did you know that I have a song in Baywatch, the original Baywatch? Oh my goodness! There, no, there is a Billy Pilgrim song there. Didn't know that. Um, did you know uh, nine hundred two one zero has a Billy Pilgrim song? Has I won't tell. The very first season of the Real World on MTV has Billy Pilgrim's Get Me Out of Here. So when did you catch this bug? Because clearly you've had it for a very long time. No, I didn't write any of those songs for that. Right. What, but what happened is the Billy Pilgrim as a band is the kind of music that syncs well. Mm-hmm. But at the time, sync was a an opportunity to expose more people to your music. So it wasn't really a place where you went to make money. Um, it It is where a publisher would go to make money. But in the 90s, you know, like... Uh, people weren't getting as discovered as they were in the 2000s. Right. You know, by having a, uh, what was it, One Tree Hill or something, whatever that TV show was where uh, everyone heard the song and they were like, oh, we're going to go buy that today. Right. Right. There was a, there was a version of that life. But in the 90s, it was very different. You know, you were, you would hear something go by and you might not know what it is, but you might, like it but it, there was no way to find out there's no internet to go poke around on right you'd have to go get the soundtrack or something that's why we all loved john hughes movies or while we liked uh even later we liked that single soundtrack that had all the seattle stuff in it and um it, sort of along the way but i it's what's weird is now later in life i still get the p- statements once a quarter <laughs> And it tells you where in the world they've been watching that Baywatch episode, you know? So where in the world are they watching that Baywatch episode? It's always in Germany. Um, <laughs> Hasselhoff is of keeping course, me alive just right. a little bit at a time. Um, and then uh, big movies. I don't think I ever had a, a bunch. I, a, a lot of Ellis Paul songs ended up in uh, the Fairley Brothers movies. And I produced a lot of those. I didn't get, I didn't write many of them at all. Um, but me, myself and Irene, I think we talked about that. Um, shallow howl they use most of the songs as the soundtrack uh and the score in the movie um it's just it's always been extra fun for me to see where all this stuff happens but it's fun later in life to um or at least even right now as people are discovering me as a solo artist they're like wait whoa you go back and i mean Megan Maroney wasn't born when that Baywatch came out, <laughs> you know, like, like that, like there, like there's some strangeness where I have to start being honest with myself about being 52 <laughs> and I, it doesn't register sometimes, but, um, even Andrew and I, when we were rebooting Billy Pilgrim, we started like, man, do you remember we were in this, sh- like we had a song in this show? He's like, yeah. Do you remember this one? I was like, I forgot about that one. So, um, I think I, I, I naturally, when I'm, I'm writing songs, uh, gravitate toward uh, songs that live in a, in a moment, right. right? And in a vibe. 
which is why I, I like to study the different bots, why maybe I can adapt to different circumstances or climates, creative climates. Um, but uh, this is just going to be a fun little, we'll listen to just a little bit of it and then I'll let it go and then we'll say goodbye. But um, this was a request that had come in from the producers that said, hey, would you cover a song? And would you cover this song? Because we want to use this song, but we don't want to use the version of it. Mm-hmm. And I said, okay. And uh, I said, just, you know, send over what it is and I'll take a look. And if it's the kind of song or kind of artist that I can try to reinterpret, I will. And they said, well, it's pink. <laughs> Here you go. I just lost my husband, I don't know where he went I'm gonna drink my money, not gonna pay his rent I got a brand new attitude, I'm gonna wear it tonight I'm gonna get in trouble, I wanna start a fight Na 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 na, I wanna start a fight Na 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 na, I wanna start a fight So what, I'm still a rock star I got my rock moves and I don't need you And guess what I'm having more fun And now that we're done I'm on a show brain for musically for you to be like no i don't want to do that when do you say no huh that's a good question um it might be after i try it and it sucks (laughs) (laughs) um i i don't know maybe i don't say no much i don't know anything about that (laughs) um Okay. Well, I don't know. I I think there's something valuable in every ask that I'm supposed to learn. Yeah. And I guess it's just a maybe the anxiety artist in me because I'm afraid the next job's not going to come. 
you know? Yeah. And I, and I think maybe because of that, I, I try not to turn work down. Yep. Um, but I'm having to learn to, yeah. You know, um, I have turned down opportunities to, uh, for other people to record songs of mine that I just, I didn't want to give the song away because yeah. I wanted it for myself. Like Tennessee plates got put on hold for two different people at two different times. How do I not know that? Well, because there was a lot of high respect that went on because the first time that it got put on hold was literally days after we wrote it. And it was one of my co-writers shut it down because he knew how personal it was to me. It was, it was Rodney Clausen. Mm -hmm. And he was like, no, 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 no. I know you're a super famous, most famous dude in country music, but you cannot have this song. This is Christian's song about his dad. Yeah. And I don't ever even want him to know that it was on hold. And of course I, you know, somebody called me because they literally wanted me to give it to the, right. you know, to that guy. Cause you know, he's famous. And, uh, so I'm forever grateful to yeah. Rodney for sort of stepping in there because I, you know, I don't want to let anybody down. I mean, geez, I can sure. Um, but the same song literally got put on hold later, like a year and a half ago for another country singer, another male country singer. It was a very different level mm-hmm. of, of, of famousness. And, um, I said, no, but I don't if Rodney had said no first, I probably would have anxiety considered it like, Oh, well maybe I should. I mean, I can just write more, you know, uh, I just, uh, it's scarcity. I don't know. Uh, I don't with know. work. I know how that feels, but man, I also know, I know from Tennessee plates, it's just one of those songs. I always remember where I was the first time I heard it. <laughs> like it. Yeah. I, I don't, it's just special. I love it. I love doing these things where we, we get to use our craft for something other than ourselves. Yeah. Right. And you're in service to some bigger thing. But music is such a huge part of visual media. It's like if you've ever watched television without the sound on, right? Or you've ever watched a movie um, and you know, like, this will be what I'd leave you with. Next time you're just watching TV, right? You're watching some Netflix show. You're watching some even series TV. Right. Listen to what the music's telling you. And you will know the plot. You, like it, like you can see something that feels dramatic, like it, like something bad's about to happen, and it has silly music behind it. Then you know that the bad thing that's about to happen, d- the character deserves it, right? Yeah. Uh, but if you everything looks fine, like they're walking through a nice day, and you can kind of tell sometimes with the camera angle that you know this is really something bad's about to happen. But, and it's really not the cameraman that's doing that. It's the composer has put this music behind you that's like, I know it looks like a nice day, but this is right before the freaking sky falls, right? Um, it's so important to be the soundtrack. Yeah. And, uh, and I think we, that 
I love going to dig in that. So anyway, I know this is a longer than normal episode, but I, I think I've been wanting to tell somebody that I do these things <laughs> I and I haven't fabulous. really told anyone um, other than what you can kind of casually absorb. But uh, yeah, thank you for sitting through all of this. I video. love it. It's fabulous. And until um, uh, next week. Till next week. Hey, everybody. Christian Bush here. Cindy Watts. And we would like to thank you for joining us for another episode of 52. If you'd like to write us with questions or comments, you can contact us at 52thepodcast at gmail.com. That is the number 52. Or by leaving us a voicemail at 803-900-5252. Also, remember, the best way to help us is to give us a five-star rating on Apple Podcasts. Please and thank you. You can follow me at Christian Bush on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. And you can follow Cindy at Cindy Watts on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook as well. Thank you for listening and please join us next week.